Today is Wednesday, June the 1st, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we begin our top five series as we enter the peak of the offseason. Today, we're talking my top five favorite football games to rewatch during the course of the offseason. Guys, first things first, I'll read your listener responses, and I'll just dive into my top five, break all of them down, which games I most enjoy sitting down and reliving as we count down the days to kick off. Also, guys, we have got a fantastic conversation and a great interview with former Gamecocks kicker Ryan Suckup as we detail his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code SPURSUP to get $20 off your first purchase of any purchase over $50 or more. Guys, it doesn't matter what you're trying to attend, whether it be a sporting event, concerts, anything and everything you need tickets to, SeatGeek has got you. So again, that's the SeatGeek app. Go download the app or you can go to their website, SeatGeek.com and use that promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P. And when you do, you're going to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. So again, guys, that's SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. Be sure to check out our friends over at SeatGeek. And when you do, tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boys and girls, happy June and welcome officially to the quote unquote offseason. We have finally made it. Baseball is in the rear view. Football is 94 days away. And I feel like now we enter that time of the year, aka the month of June, that we can really look at and say, this is peak offseason. And I say offseason with air quotes because for us, of course, there is no offseason, and I could argue for South kind of football and really SEC football as a whole, there is no true offseason, but I look at June as the most offseason type of month, if you will, where there is really, if your team's not playing baseball, which unfortunately, of course, ours is not, there's really nothing going on, right? All we're really sitting and waiting on is recruiting news and news of official visits and workouts, and this is the time of year, guys where no news is the best news, right? We don't we don't want to hear about guys getting hurt. We don't want to hear about guys getting in trouble. So no news is good news this time of year. But again, guys, I'm very excited to chat with each and every single one of you. I hope you're having a fantastic week, and I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Again, and I'm really excited as we dive into everything, and we dive into the month of June here on this June 1st, 94 days officially away from kickoff. I'm excited to begin 
this new series. Because again, in case you missed it, and you're just now hearing this for the first time, the month of June, what we're going to do, we are going to do our top five series. So we all love lists, right? We've seen the guy, Big Game Boomer. He's literally made a brand. He's literally made a business off of making lists off college football, right? We all love to rank things. And we all love to put things in lists. As I told you all about a month or so ago, you know, I really was thinking about just taking the month of June off and, and taking two or three or four weeks, what have you, away from the podcast and the Daily Crow. And the Daily Crow, we might have some changes here and there. But I just thought to myself with the podcast, number one, I love doing it. Number two, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Number three, you know, it's just something where I love talking ball. I love interacting with each and every single one of you. And I thought, you know what, these are, these are the type of conversations that we really don't get to have in season, right? These conversations where we're ranking, you know, uniforms. And we, you know, we've all been on the message boards and everything. We're talking uniform threads and, and we're talking, uh, you know, top five this, top five that, greatest player this, greatest player that. These are the kind of conversations you just don't really get to take a step away and have in season. So again, guys, I'm really excited over the month of June. And of course, as news comes up, we'll talk about that. But I'm excited over the course of June to kind of sit back and reflect and rank some different things and have some banter. Of course, beauty's in the banter, but debate with you all as we rank our top five. And again, today is the top five favorite football games to rewatch during the offseason. Before we get to that, guys, really quick reminder, of course, tonight we are live at Tin Roof. Six to eight, three dollar drafts, three dollar rumple, three dollar fireball as well. Great food, great people, and great time. So again, come on out to Tin Roof. We even might have a special guest join us on stage tonight. No promises, but if he decides to show up, he might join us. Uh, so again, come on out to Tin Roof in the Vista. It's always a good time on Wednesday nights at Tin Roof, and appreciate the fine folks at Tin Roof for having us out. But again. Diving into today's subject matter, we got a great interview at the end of the show today as well. So do not go anywhere. But we've all been there, right? Again, over the course of June, the dog days of summer, you know, we're, we're, we're at the pool, we're at the beach, whatever, and we are in peak summer, peak off season. There's no football going on outside of recruiting. There's no games on the field, especially you feel this right in the month of July, right? When we get SEC media days, but outside of that, I mean, there is nothing going on outside of MLB. Uh, maybe some NBA, what have you, but on the college side of things, it's dead, right? There's nothing going on. And what better way to count down the days to kick off than to cut on an old game? And thank God for YouTube. You know, I'll never forget CSS, college sports or college flash clacks, classics or whatever, and watching the replays of those old games and SEC Network would do their replays. And now every old game you can think of for South Carolina and really every other school it's on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and watch every old game. And, and, I, and I've always just loved cutting on certain games and, and, and reliving great memories. And I, you, you guys might not recall this, by the way. I'll never forget in 2000, I believe it's 2012, the summer of 2012. Or no, excuse me, summer of 2013, going into the 2013 season, South Carolina ran a campaign to try to sell more season tickets, which I don't know why they don't do this every single year because it is genius. But over the course of... Over the course of that summer of 2013, they ran a series where they highlighted the top games from 2012 and they made it like a 40 or 45 minute series or 40, 45 minute video, right? To condense the game down so you could watch it in an easy sitting. And I loved that, right? I loved it. It got me so fired up for the 2013 season. I pulled the trigger. I bought season tickets. And so I've always been someone that loves sitting down. You know, again, it's, it's, it's a warm summer night. The sun doesn't go down until 9 p.m. But every now and then you just, you get in that football mood, you know, as you count down the days and you're like, oh, I really want to relive this game or relive that game. And so that's what we're discussing today. Now, the answers are going to be different because I think for each and every single person, each individual, there are individual games that mean more to one person than another because of, you know, significance within your own life, whether you were there in person, whether, you know, it happened on a certain date, maybe it was your birthday, maybe it was a, you know, for whatever reason, it was a significant moment in your life. And I think there's some obviously in this list that are going to be no brainers. So before we get going into my top five favorite football games to rewatch during the course of the offseason, I want to read off you guys answers first. And again, a lot of the answers are going to be ones you'd expect. I saw a lot of UGA 2012, UGA 2014, the Missouri rain game, uh, 2011 Clemson, 2013 Clemson, a lot of the Clemson games from the five-game win streak, 2010 Florida, um, Bama 2010, of course. I saw 2013 Mizzou, 2012 Georgia, 2021 
Florida. So we had a game from last year, 2011 Kentucky. How about some older games? 1984 Florida State. I saw 2000 Georgia. Again, a lot of 2010 Bamas, of course. Um, just going through these answers here, 2012 Georgia again, 2013 Mizzou, which the Connor Shaw comeback incredible, the monsoon game against Missouri, uh, the 92 Clemson game, again, the 2000 Georgia game, the 09 Clemson game, uh, the 87 Clemson game. So, again, a really cool mix of, you know, vintage ball games, ball games in the last decade, and even some ball games that happened last year. And they're really, again, there isn't a wrong answer for this. It's, it's really your own personal preference which games you enjoy watching and reliving. So here we go. I'm going to dive into my top five favorite football games to re-watch during the offseason. I am going to rank these five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so number one being obviously my most favorite, number five being my fifth favorite. Now, before we get going, there is a game left off this list that you will notice, okay? And I want to go ahead and get it out there. 2012 Georgia did not make my top five. And I know many of you are like, oh, Chris, how? How could it not? Here's why. Here's why. Because I take certain things into account, right? And entertainment value of the game is one of them. Now, I could watch the first quarter of that 2012 South Carolina Georgia game on repeat with no question. I would argue it's the greatest quarter in the history of South Carolina football. Outside of that first quarter, that game is a snooze fest. And I mean, I, listen, I'm not complaining. That was a great night in the history of Carolina football. But in regards to entertainment value, re-watching that game, that game was boring, guys. That game was flat-out boring because Carolina dominated Georgia so thoroughly to the level. And I was there in person that day. I did not go into the stadium. That's a whole separate story. But I went to college game day. I tailgated that day. I was in Columbia for that ball game. And I think that's really what made that game so special was game day, the electricity, the environment, everything around it, the hoopla, the hype, the rankings. And then that first quarter happened. And I mean, after that, guys, the game was over. I mean, the game truly was over after that. So that was a great night. That was a great quarter. It does not make my top five. I mean, of course, I'll still rewatch it. It's a great one to rewatch. And again, if you go back to, like I told you guys, when the USC put out their like 40 to 45 minutes uh, replays of these games in summer of 2013, that is one of them. So I highly suggest if you are going to rewatch that game, that's a really, really good way to do it. Um, and I still do love watching it, but does, it does not crack my top five. So I wanted to go ahead and get that out there for those who might be like, Chris, where in the world is this game? It did not make my top five, just on the outside Looking in. With that being said, let's go ahead again. My top five favorite football games to rewatch during the offseason. We'll start with number five. And here's what's interesting about number five it is a game that I have never rewatched over the course of any offseason. And you might be saying to yourself, Chris, well, how is that possible? Here's how because it just happened a few months ago. And that is the 2021 Dukes Mayo Bowl victory. Shane Beamer's First bowl game and first bowl victory is Gamecocks head coach taking down North Carolina in Charlotte. And I put this one on the list because, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, 10 years from now when hopefully Shane Beamer's still here and hopefully he's having massive success and we've been to Atlanta hopefully a time or two and we've won some, some much, much bigger games, right, than the Dukes Mayo Bowl, right? Maybe a decade from now that game will not hold a lot of significance to some people. But for me personally, right, number one, the game was incredible, extremely entertaining. So many great storylines pre, during, and post game. You think of the carry on joiner, you think of Jaheim Bell, you think of what that defense did, right? And South Carolina capping off a, you know, a surprise finish, if you will, overachieving in Shane Beamer's first year with that victory over UNC. But for yours truly on a personal level, being back in the building, the fire must champ moment, that being such a significant moment in 2019 and really putting the business, putting TSUS for better or for worse on the map, right? And the last time being in that building, that serving as sort of the symbolization of the descent of Carolina football. To be back in that building just two years later and to watch that game and that performance and to feel like that symbolized as the beginning, hopefully, of an ascent of Carolina football. 
It was so special being there in person. It was incredible. I told you guys before, you know, I got emotional in post game when Beamer was speaking to the crowd and started the Gamecocks chant. I'm not someone, you know, I feel like I'm kind of beyond that. Not totally, but I don't expect myself to get emotional watching football. But I got emotional in that moment because everything it felt like it symbolized and it represented and what it felt like moving forward. Again, not just for me as a fan, but professionally for the business, for everything we have going on here and the positive momentum and everything that Shane Beamer is doing. So that one, I'll always be able, I think, to look back and smile and watch that game and, and just, it will hold a special place. It's why we created merchandise, number one, but it's also, you know, I bought a piece of merchandise from Adam's Bookstore here in Columbia, South Carolina. I, I bought a 2021 Duke's Mayo Bowl Champions hat because I think, you know what, no matter how big a games we win, let's just say it's five years from now, 10 years from now, South Carolina's won a national championship. I think we'll always be able to look back and say that first one was special. That first bowl win was special. That first season under Shane Beamer where the groundwork was really laid was special. So again, guys, I haven't even watched it yet over the course of an offseason, but I can guarantee you I will do so this summer. So again, number five for me on my top five favorite football games to rewatch during the offseason, the 2021 Dukes Mayo Bowl. Coming in at number four in my top five for football games to rewatch during the course of the offseason. As I've told you guys before, I'm not sure I've dove into this story a ton, but people ask a lot about my fandom. I'm 31 years old. People ask a lot about my fandom, Chris, how long you've been a fan. And contrary to some popular belief on social media, contrary to the slap picks you see on social media, no, I've never been a Clemson fan. I wasn't a Clemson fan until the, the five-game win streak of the Spurrier era. Nope, I just went to a Clemson baseball camp one time and rocked a Clemson hat, and lo and behold, a picture got posted back in 2007, and little did I know that one day I'd have a business revolving around the Gamecocks and it would come back to bite me in the ass. Either way, though, <laughs> I've always been a Gamecock, and where my fandom really clicked over from, hey, this is just a thing to, like, this is life, like, we bleed this, we live this, we breathe this, we sleep this, right? was end of 2002, beginning of 2003. So I was about 12 years old, and my grandfather's the one that got me into it, right? So with that being said, and it, I mean, it really, like, guys, I went overnight from just, like, casual to, like, die hard. Like, it meant everything, right? So I'd say beginning of 2003 is when it really, really clicked for me, and I was hooked from there. My grandfather, like I said, got me into it. We'd watch every single game together. But my first South Carolina Clemson rivalry game, I may have watched the 0-2 rivalry game, but it just did not click. I, I, I didn't think much of it, right? My first South Carolina Clemson rivalry game was 2003. Yep, 63-17. to 17. So I was rudely, rudely welcomed to the rivalry. I'll never forget making a bet with my middle school teacher, right, that South Carolina would beat Clemson. I think the Gamecocks were even favored in that game, which is nuts. But – I made a bet with my middle school teacher. Hey, Carolina's going to win. If South Carolina wins and Clemson loses, of course, she was a Clemson fan. You got to rock. You got to wear some Carolina stuff. And if Clemson wins, I've got to rock. You get to deck me out in some purple and orange stuff. So, of course, Clemson wins 63 to 17. I show up to school Monday. What happens? She makes a paper, paper mache necklace. And on the bottom of the necklace, prints out a picture of the scoreboard with 63 to 17 on it and staples it onto the bottom of the necklace. And I had to wear that the entire class. So to say that my introduction to the Carolina Clemson rivalry was a rude one is putting it lightly. But with that being said, the first win that I ever experienced in Carolina Clemson, that is the game that comes in at number four of my favorite to rewatch. One of my favorites to rewatch during the course of the offseason. That is the 2006 ball game at Clemson in Death Valley. And what a game that was. Again, you talk about an entertaining ball game. Um, of course, that's Blake Mitchell, Sidney Rice, Mike Davis, Jasper Brinkley on the defensive side, Savelle Newton, the Jad Dean missed field goal, Ryan Suckup, who is our special guest for today. He also had a big kick in that ball game. But that is one that is special for a lot of reasons. I mean, again, number one, it was a fantastic ball game, right? It was one that you look back. And back and forth, back and forth, and South kind of fell down by 14 points and a great comeback in that game to get to the point of winning the ball game. But also, again, for yours truly, it just being the first time that I ever got to experience victory in the rivalry ball game, that was something special. That was something I'll never forget. I'll never forget I was in the garage with my grandfather and the joy that we had, the, 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 the jubilation 
the jubilation that we experienced in that moment when Jad Dean missed that field goal, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. What an experience that was and uh, something I'll never forget for sure. Also, by the way, speaking to that picture of yours truly rocking the Clemson baseball hat, I actually burned that hat right before that football game against Clemson to give you guys some context. So just thought I'd let you know. But either way, number four for me, the 2006, excuse me, ball game at Clemson, one that I will never forget and one that is special to me to this day. Number three and my top five favorite football games to rewatch over the course of the offseason. And, and there's a special story behind this one. See, 20, 2009 to 2013 served as really the greatest run in the history of South Carolina football, right, on the field. And there were a lot of moments that I missed because I was a college athlete at the time. I was playing college baseball at Newberry specifically. And in case you did not know, guys, college baseball coaches do not care about football schedules. They don't. So it didn't matter if South Carolina was playing here, there, who they were playing, did not matter. We had scrimmages, we had inner squads, we had practices, we had games, didn't matter. We had workouts, whatever it might have been. Thus was the case in this game. Thus was the case in this game. And the game I'm referencing, one of the greatest days in the history of South Carolina football, the 2010 game at williams Bryce Stadium against the Alabama Crimson Tide. In case you did not know, again, I was sitting there in the bullpen at Newberry. Our scrimmage was at like 2 o'clock. Of course, that was a 3.30 kickoff against the Crimson Tide. Steven Garcia, the game of his life, a legendary day, the game that cemented the legend of Steven Garcia, of course. But we're sitting there in the bullpen, getting updates on our phones, and we're looking. We're like, dude, 7-0 Carolina, 14-0 Carolina, 20-3 Carolina, or whatever the score was. And I'll never forget one of the umpires walking over, one of the umpires that was doing our game, our scrimmage, whatever. He said, what's the score in the Carolina game? We said, bro, it's, it's 21 to nothing. He said, bullshit. What's the actual score? We're like, bro, I swear to God. And so the scrimmage ends right around like 7 o'clock, whatever it was, 6.30. We're all rushing out. Bro. We didn't even clean the field. Didn't even left, – left the bullpen a mess. We got chewed out the next day. Our coach was going crazy. Coach was going crazy. And so I get back to my dorm with like – Five minutes left in the ballgame. I saw the last five minutes live. That's all I got to see live. I've probably rewatched that game a hundred times since then, just because I wanted to try to relive it as much as I possibly could and get an idea of what it was like to be there that day. So kind of a funny story how that all happened. But again, of course, guys, I don't really have to explain why that one's a fun one to watch. I mean, it's, it's just one of the greatest days in school. I mean, it's just, it's one of those games where it was just like, it was a perfect day. Everything went right. Steven Garcia's game, what Alshon Jeffrey did, that defense with Stephon Gilmore and Travian Robertson and, and that entire crew. I mean, you look at that defense, it's just NFL guy, NFL guy, NFL guy, Devontae Holloman, Antonio Allen, NFL guys all over the place. And to beat Alabama, to take down the number one team in all of college football. And that, I think that game really served as, you know, 2009 Ole Miss was the one that, Got you to the top of the mountain, right? The 2010 Bama game was the one that really got you over the hump and said, we are here, we have arrived. Moving into my second, my second favorite football game to rewatch during the course of the offseason. Now, this is one I was there in person. And I would argue this might be the loudest I've ever heard Williams-Brice Stadium, at least games I've been to. Again, I wasn't at 2012 Georgia. I wasn't at 2010 Alabama. Right. So games I've been to games I've been to, this is arguably the loudest that I've ever heard Williams Bryce stadium. And this was also what was really special about it was my first ever year having season tickets. First time I was ever able to afford the opportunity to have season tickets. And I always joke with my buddies, you know, it's, it's so funny to think how much we took it for granted that, you know, 2011, 12, 13, you know, we, 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 when we showed up to tailgates, when we showed up to home games, we didn't think to ourselves, oh, my God, you know, are we going to win? You know, for, for home games specifically, we didn't think, are we going to win? We just thought, well, how much are we going to win by? You know, Carolina had won 18 or, what, 17 straight games in a row going into this ballgame. It was senior night for Connor Shaw, you know, one of Jadavion Clowney's last games. I believe it was his last home game, yes, so many great players, their last time taking the field. Of course, I'm talking the 2013 game 
against the Clemson Tigers. What a night that was. I walked out of Williams-Brice Stadium that night thinking we were never going to lose to Clemson again. And unfortunately, that's been the last time that South going to be, beat Clemson. But being there in person, seeing that firsthand, living that, and then getting to watch it, getting to re-watch that and relive that. Todd Ellis, one of my favorite calls ever in that game. On the Cooper to Wilds touchdown pass, chaos at Williams-Brice, chaos. One of my favorite calls he's ever done. And so it's kind of cool, right, like to rewatch games you were there in person and then to hear the, the, the analysts and, and just get the vibe of the game on TV. That was an extremely entertaining game as well. And what's crazy, you go back and watch a game like that. And Carolina, of course, pulled away late. What they won, like we won like 31 to 17 or something. But that game was extremely close, right? But I remember being in the stadium and just feeling like we're going to win because that's what we do. We've beaten this team four years in a row. We've beaten this team four years in a row. We owned Clemson at that point. We owned them. We were so far in their heads. We were so far in Dabo's head. They couldn't do anything to stop us. One of my favorite nights of all time being a Gamecock fan, I, I just one that still lives on. And of course, it's the last time we've beaten them. Hopefully that changes very soon. But that 2013 game against Clemson, that one always puts a smile on my face when I cut it on. So again, that is my second favorite football game to rewatch over the course of the offseason, that 2013 matchup, the last time the Gamecocks beat the Tigers, which leads us into my number one, my all-time favorite football game to rewatch over the course of the offseason. And this is one that some of you may think, Chris, why is this number one specifically, right? I think it's one that you're going to find in a lot of top fives, but why is it number one? For me, guys, the 2014 Georgia game, hands down, like if there's one game, if we're sitting there, hey, cut on a game, let's rewatch a ball game, let's cut on a game. Which one you cutting on? For me, 2014 Georgia every single time. And I was there in Columbia that weekend, went to that game, and that was another one where it was just a magical day. And a magical weekend, by the way. We partied our faces off that weekend. We went out Friday night in five points, went to Poor House, rest in peace, Poor House that Friday night. Saturday, we woke up at like 7 a.m., all three hours of sleep, still half drunk, go to the tailgate, having us a time. My best friend, Trip lived at the lofts at the time. We're out there tailgating, partying. And you might recall in that game, that's the one where I walked in the stadium at like 2.30, 2.45, probably about 2.45 about 3 o'clock, whatever it was. Kickoff was at 3.30. That was the lightning delay game. And the weather, the hour-and-a-half-long weather delay that turned that game from a 3.30 day game to a night game on CBS. So, of course, what happens, right? The lightning delay happens, and they tell us over the loudspeakers at Willie B, you can leave and come back in. Well, my buddy lived right there loft, so we went back to the loss, we went back to the tailgate and continued to drink and got even more sauce, right? That ball game, though, guys, that 2014 game against Georgia start to finish is probably the most entertaining South Carolina football game I've ever watched. I mean, it has everything you can think of. It's South Carolina and Georgia, enough said. Steve Spurrier against the Dogs, enough said. You had great players on both sides. You had tons of offense, jabs back and forth, quick scores, great defensive stands, head-scratching calls by coaches, dramatic moments with Marshall Morgan's missed field goal, the fourth and inches at the 50-yard line, and then, of course, a Gamecocks victory. I mean, it just – everything you could ask for, again, the entertainment value through the roof, that one for me, and I hate, I loathe, loathe the University of Georgia. So that one especially, it sticks out for me. It's just one of the great nights in Gamecocks football history. And, of course, the 2014 season, it didn't go the way we wanted. You know, I think, too, though, in that game, because I was at, I had season tickets that year, of course. I was at the season opener that year, the season opener in which the Gamecocks lost to Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, you could say that really symbolized, again, the descent, the start of the fall of the Spurrier era. But the beautiful thing about that Georgia game is we didn't really know that yet. You know, I think we were still holding on to and clinging to, you know what, that A&M game, it was a one-off. We, you know, maybe we got a little too full of ourselves. We just didn't show up, but we're still a really, really good football team. And we beat East Carolina in week two, and we showed up against Georgia week three, and we took down the dogs. And it still felt like, you know, you were still hopeful. Okay, we can still compete and win the East and be a 9-10 win team and still have this thing rolling in the Steve Spurrier era. Of course, unfortunately, that did not happen. But still, one of the great all-time nights in kind of football history, one of my all-time favorites, and my favorite game, my number one 
favorite football game to rewatch over the course of the offseason. So, again, guys, that is my top five. I would love to hear from you all. Your thoughts, I know your top five is going to be different, especially with yours truly leaving the 2012 Georgia game out of the mix. There's other great Carolina Clemson games, of course. There's other great games. Heck, from last season, you could throw in that mix. But that is my top five. And I tell you this, guys, just talking about it, I cannot wait to sit down and watch some football and watch some old games over the course of this summer as we count down the days to kick off. But again, guys, I would love to hear from you, your top five. That's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Like I said, coming out the 10 roof tonight, in the Vista, six to eight, we'll take your questions, your comments, everything else. Uh, $3 drafts, $3 rumple, $3 fireball as well. Great food, great people at great times. It's always a fun time at Tin Roof, and we hope to see you there. Guys, do not go anywhere, though. we got a great conversation upcoming. Again, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for your continued love and support, and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks kicker Ryan Suckup. <laughs> All right, joining us here on the Spurs Up show, guys, very excited. He wore the garnet and black from 2005 to 2008. He ranks 10th at the University of South Carolina with 251 career points. He was named second team All-SEC in 2006 and 2007, was drafted in 2009, and you might know him better as Mr. Irrelevant taken in that NFL draft. He's been in the NFL since 2009, is currently there, has played for the Chiefs, Titans, and is currently a member of the Bucks. And, of course, he is a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 55, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, of course, I'm talking former Gamecocks kicker and Super Bowl champion, Ryan Suckup. Ryan, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks again so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good, uh, good to be on. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I want to start there, Ryan. You know, I know, obviously, when you're taken with that final pick, that nickname, Mr. Irrelevant, is something that follows you. But again, now you're a Super Bowl champion. So I wonder... Do people still call you Mr. Irrelevant, or is it the Super Bowl champion Ryan Suckup that the way people address you now? Um, well, that, you know, I'm hanging around my wife and kids most of the time, so uh, <laughs> most of the time I'm just daddy, which is what I would prefer. But um, anyways, as far as, you know, the Mr. Irrelevant thing, you know, it was a, it was a pretty neat way to get my career started. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people, they kind of root for the underdog, and, um, you know, I, I it's been kind of neat, the opportunities that have opened up you know, from from the humble beginnings of Mr. Relevant to, you know, be being really blessed to, you know, going into my 14th year in the league and yeah. um, have been blessed to play with a lot of great players and and, and obviously been on some great teams as well. So uh, it's pretty cool how things have worked out. Yeah, 14 years, man. That's one heck of a career. And there's been a couple of Gamecocks that have been Mr. Relevant. I know Justice Cunningham, another one. So kind of an interesting club, if you will. But I want to go back, Ryan, of course, to your South kind of career. You get on campus 2005. And you get on campus at a very interesting time. Obviously, Steve Spurrier taking over the buzz around Carolina football, the hype, et cetera. Uh, just talk about your recruiting process, why you chose the Gamecocks, why you wanted to come to Columbia. Yeah, I, uh, you know, growing up in North Carolina, um, we had a, a lot of different schools and, uh, that were fairly close by. And, uh, you know, when I came down to South Carolina, I just fell in love with it. You know, I went to, I think when I was getting recruited, I went to a South Carolina, Georgia game and uh, the atmosphere was just incredible. Uh, you know, I love the university. I remember walking around the horseshoe and, and going, man, this place is special. Uh, and then obviously just met a lot of great people there. I uh, kind of fell in love with it. So it was an easy choice for me and um, look back on it, and, you know, had a great experience there, a great four years. Um, and it sure is good to be a part of the Gamecock family. Now, I've talked to a lot of different guys, Ryan, whether it be quarterbacks, receivers, defensive guys, whatever, their relationship for Steve Spurrier, or relationship with Steve Spurrier, I should say. And, you know, he's obviously a guy that demands perfection. Being a kicker for him, though, what was that like? What was your relationship like with Coach Spurrier and just being a kicker for him? How much pressure is there? Because obviously, again, he, uh, you know, we all know he's not a huge fan of kicking field goals, but he also likes scoring points as well. And certainly you helped him do that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Coach Spurrier. Um, you know, Coach was one of those guys that just tells you exactly how it is, and I really respect that. Um, and so I had a great experience playing for him. You know, Coach is a big golfer. I grew up playing golf. Golf is really one of my passions. And so we kind of had a lot in common. And, uh, you know, in spring practice, I'd always hear about, you know, what he shot that morning in his morning 18. So uh, it was fun catching up with him that way. And, you know, got to play golf with him once and then got to play with him again, you know, a few years after I was already out, uh, out in Lake Tahoe and one of the tournaments out in Tahoe. And so, uh, you know, I had, I had a great experience playing for coach. Really can't say enough good things about him. Were you guys on the same team or did you beat him or how did that go? Cause I know coach is super competitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, uh, 
yeah, he, he got me when we were playing. He got, I think he, I think he got me by a shot when we were playing wow. and, uh, when I was at school. Um, and so then, you know, I think maybe I did a little better when we played out in Tahoe a few years later, but, um, no, he, he's a great golfer, super competitive. And, uh, it was fun to get to play with him. Now, Ryan, I know we talked a little bit off air, uh, your, your former teammate, Josh Brown, you were behind him your first year. Just talk about your relationship with him, because again, one of the all-time greats as well. And again, we've been fortunate enough to have him on the show. He made that big field goal 2005 at, at Tennessee, a game winner. And certainly anytime those are going to stand out when you make a game winner. I know you've had a couple in your NFL career and some big kicks at South Carolina we'll get to, but what was that relationship like with him? Again, I, I know it's, it's always interesting hearing the relationships because you guys go through such a, you know, you go through the same grind and it's such a mental grind, if you will, being a kicker. You know, people just don't really appreciate. You don't really talk about the kicker until they're missing kicks or they're messing up and then all the pressure's on you, if you will. But that relationship with Josh Brown being a youngster, how did that help you in your career? Yeah, you know, Josh was a great guy that I was able to come in and kind of learn from. And, uh, you know, I thought the way that Josh handled himself both on the field, off the field, um, you know, I thought he just did things the right way. And so he was a great guy to kind of be there before me. Uh, and, and I could learn from him, pick his brain. And I'm fortunate that, you know, that I got to got to learn from him for a year or so. Um, you know, certainly, you know, I'm glad that he, Josh is remembered so well uh, by Gamecock fans because he certainly deserves it. And uh, man, he's just a great person. So really cool to get to play with him. Now, Ryan, we're going to move to a more positive note after this. But it's funny. I was asked about the other day the most crushing loss that I've suffered as a South Carolina fan. And my mind immediately jumped to a game that, you know, I was about 15 years old at the time. And it was really the last time I would say watching South Carolina football, I became like, emotionally upset and I think you might know where I'm going with this the 2006 Florida game in the swamp I I, I still will go on record and say I've never seen a South Carolina football team play so well and still lose and obviously big part of that game your final kick Jarvis Moss gets the big Paul up there and I don't feel like we've ever really heard a good story on it I mean there, there were so many things that happened in that final drive I think Sidney Rice had like the false start that pushed it back five yards or there was some sort of delay a game or something that happened either way though I mean you were right there in the middle of it literally kicking that ball game winner or potential game winner it gets blocked just just walk me through that sequence of events and like I said I promise we'll get to the much more positive memories <laughs> in a second but I got to get your take on just the entire sequence of events and just what happened on that kick yeah it was um you know I think that's one of those games you look back on and go man it just just wasn't meant to be um you know I think earlier in the game I don't know if people remember this we had a, uh, a field goal right before halftime. And um, we were kind of unsure on the sideline whether we were going to kick a field goal or go for it. I think it was fourth and four, if I remember. And at the very last second, we called the field goal team out there. We ran out, and I think it was about a 57-yarder. And um, we snapped it, made the kick, made the 57-yarder, and the referee went back and said that it was a delay of game, that we didn't get it off in time. And I remember we went back and watched it, and we definitely snapped the ball with one second left. And so you look back on that, and you're like, man, that right there would have been the difference in the game. Um, and then, you know, as far as the last field goal, uh, you know, I mean, I remember I was, gosh, I what was, I maybe a sophomore, I was a young kid, you know, was like so excited to have that opportunity, uh, you know, as a kicker, that's kind of, you kind of look for those opportunities, chance to win the game. And, you know, I just remember uh, feeling, feeling really confident, feeling really at peace. Um, I remember I hit a great ball, felt like I hit a great ball. Um, was just waiting to look up to see it go through. And, uh, you know, Jarvis, what was it? Jarvis Moss, I think was his name. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess he got a fingertip on it and, and that was that. But I, I remember after the game, he was, he got suspended, uh, for a drug test and he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be playing, but I think they waited to announce the suspension and suspended them the following week when they played like Western Carolina or something. So, uh, when you look back on that, you're like, okay, Hey, you know what? Just wasn't meant to be. So uh, that was that was a tough one, and uh, you know, fortunately, we've had a, had a lot more good memories than bad. But um, you know, when you do this for you know a long time, there's gonna be there's gonna be moments like that as well. So try to learn from them, try to move on, and uh, that's all you can do. Yeah, and, and you think back, you know, you mentioned that 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 kick was well within your range because I think it was also that same. You know, obviously the, the highlight we posted, I believe about a week or so ago, that Vanderbilt game. You set your career long in that. What was that? Fifty six yards, I think, or fifty five, or something like that. And I mean, you you obviously had the capability to hit like a sixty yarder. And I want to jump forward in that 06 season because the game that uh, you know you, you were part of the best rivalry. I would say one of the best rivalries in college football. Obviously, Carolina Clemson, and you made a big kick in that one that I think 
you talk about forgotten moments. I feel like that kick you made, Ryan, sort of it's it's one that it's overlooked a little because that was such a crazy game. And we think more so to Jad Dean's missed field goal versus your made one. But I you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I think that was like a 52 yarder or something like that at their place. Gives Carolina the lead. I mean, just talk about overall that game being a part of that rivalry. And then, of course, you know, making a positive contribution in that game. Obviously, your field goal was the difference. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fond memory. I appreciate you bringing that one up. It's a little better than yeah, a little better than the Florida game. A little better than the Florida game. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, you know that was that's that was a special moment. Uh, you know, getting a chance to to hit a big kick against Clemson. Uh, you know, ended up being a difference in the game. It's something that you know I I think I somebody had gotten me a poster of it. And, you know, for a while I had it hanging up in my house somewhere. But um, you know, it's cool cool memory, and uh, it's always good to to get a win against Clemson and. Uh, you know, my wife is from Easley, South Carolina, and so her whole family is, you know, they're all Gamecocks. Her granddad played football in South Carolina. Her parents went to South Carolina, and, um, you know, they're, they're Gamecocks through and through, and they, they live up in Clemson country. So uh, I know that was kind of meant, meant a little bit to us. So, uh, you know, we were fortunate for that. Great memory. And, um, you know, it's, that's a kick. You know, that's one of those kicks I always look back on and uh, will never forget, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I've got buddies up in Anderson, Greenville. And when, when, when the Gamecocks get success against Clemson, it's, it's just a little sweeter when you live up there in enemy territory. But <laughs> yeah, right. cer- certainly right. one certainly one of the bright memories, man. And, and uh, you know, I, I want to stick with that, obviously. Again, like I mentioned, you got on campus at a really interesting time. Steve Spurrier just getting on campus and starting to build something, just being a part of that. And again, 2006, you guys go on, you know, you win the Liberty Bowl. And I just remember as a fan how big of a deal that was just – just talk about the overall, just being a football player really during that time. I mean, I, I look back with reverence on, you know, because it really sunk in, you know, I'm 31. It really sunk in for me, like the diehard nature of things. And when I became a diehard fan was end of 02, beginning of 03. But I know I speak for a lot of Gamecock fans when we say that we look back on those first couple of Spurrier teams, again, with a lot of reverence, because you guys were really the ones that I look and say that, that really laid the foundation for what we saw in 10, 11, 12, 13. I, I, I'd have to imagine – that was a really cool time for you and for you guys as well, just to be part of Gamecocks football um, and, and those first couple of Spurrier years, if you will. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, looking back on that, you know, we were really building. And, um, you know, obviously we didn't have – you never win as many games as you want to unless you unless you win the last one of the year. And um, But, you know, it's, it's, it's the goal. It's the process. It's, it's going through all that. And, you know, those are some really fond memories. You know, it felt like we were getting better and better. The program was continuing to build and get better. And, uh, you know, we felt that enthusiasm from fans and, you know, still still hear about it today. And so, uh, you know, the Gamecock, Gamecock Nation is a very uh, passionate fan base. It's a very loyal fan base. And um, it's one that, you know, I'm very grateful to be a part of. And so, uh, you know, we feel their support. I feel their support even now. I, like I said, I've, I've been gone 14 years now, and I still feel all kind of support from from Gamecock fans. And so uh, it's a really neat community to be a part of. And in those years with Coach Spurrier were, were great. And, uh, you know, I know that they started to really have some success those, you know, those years you mentioned, all the 11 win seasons and all that. Um, and it shows you that it can be done. And uh, it's exciting to, to see where the program's going now and uh, to know that uh, there has been some success there in the past. So uh, we're going to get back to it. And, and that's exciting. Ryan, jumping to 2007, you guys traveled to Athens, Georgia, and picked up one of the most memorable wins, I think, earlier in the Spurrier tenure. Uh, I believe it was a 16-12 to 12 final score. But either way, you go three for three on field goals, had 10 total points in that game. Just, again, what do you recall? It's always special when you beat a rival. We just talked about Clemson, and certainly Georgia falls in that category. You know, we all think back to Blake Mitchell and Corey Boyd and Eric Norwood and Jasper Brinkley. But, again, with you, I mean, 10 points, you, you were a major, major factor in that game. We had one touchdown and the rest came off of your right foot. Uh, what do you recall from that big victory in Athens? Yeah, I, I remember uh, playing in Athens was always like my, one of my favorite games of the year. Um, it always seemed like it was the second game of the year. And I don't know if it's still that way as much now or not, but it was always the second game of the year. And if, and if we won, it seemed like we were going to have a great year. And if Georgia won, it seemed like they were going to go on to have a great year. And uh, it was just a great atmosphere. It was one of those afternoon games that went into the night. And, um, you know, I remember going down there, get, getting the big win. And, uh, you know, that, those are special moments, you know. So I've, I've been fortunate to, to play in a lot of neat places. And, um, you know, we all know this, but, but playing in the SEC is really special. And, um, you know, the fan bases, the stadiums, it's a really cool experience, especially when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. And so uh, getting to experience that firsthand was incredible. And, you know, something I'm really thankful for. 
Now, Ryan, switching gears a little bit, as I was going over your statistics, this is one that maybe doesn't stand out to fans, but it stands out to me. You had four tackles over the course of your career. Can you recall any of those tackles, and is there a certain stop you had that stands out? I know when we had Elliot Fry on, I think he, he recalled one he had on like a kickoff or something, but you did account for four tackles. A- any of those, are any memorable, any memorable plays you made uh, on whether it kickoff, punt, whatever it might have been? Um, <laughs> no, I can't say I really remember too many of the tackles. Uh, I remember an onside kick where I got laid out pretty good uh, <laughs> in the Outback Bowl, actually in Tampa Stadium. I think it was my last game of my career at South Carolina. It was a, it was a little middle bunt, a little middle dribble, and uh, I was waiting for that ball to pop up and go 10 yards, and a, a DN from Iowa hit me right and knocked the breath out of me. And it, it probably was – only for about five or 10 seconds that I couldn't breathe, but it felt like I thought I was dying. I thought it was <laughs> felt like about five minutes, but um, anyway, I remember that one. And uh, you know, as far as I don't, I don't really ever remember making, you know, I'm sure I made a couple tackles, but I don't really remember too many of them. Uh, I do remember getting our, my first game punting. We were playing uh, at Mississippi state mm-hmm. and we, um, I, I remember it kind of, it kind of things kind of blew wide open and they had a, a guy come scot free and right as I was about to punt it, I looked up and he was about to lay out and block it. And I kind of tucked it. And I was going to just punt it. And then I looked up and everybody had already released down the field. So I took off and I don't know, maybe got 18 or 20 yards or something, got a first down. And uh, that was one of those plays I, I do remember. That was kind of fun. So, uh, but as far as tackles, I, I can't really remember too many. Ryan, I'm so glad, honestly, you brought that up because that did jog my memory because it's, and I should have thought about that because we literally just posted a highlight this morning of Jasper Brinkley in that game. But you are right. I do recall that. And that kind of takes me back too to what uh, I believe Joseph Charlton did at Texas A&M, A&M a couple of years ago. But I, I know you guys always look forward to like the fakes or the, you know, when you get an opportunity like that to just make a play. I, I know between the specialists, like I told you off air, Love the specials. I like. I'm a Pat McAfee guy. Love what he mm-hmm. does for the brand. All that good stuff. So it's yeah. always fun to see kickers, punters, what have you. And the the specialists get get the opportunity to really shine on the big stage. I I had totally forgotten about that play. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm a Pat McAfee guy too. It's it's cool seeing what he's doing, Ra- raising awareness. I like. Yes, to yes, absolutely. So you know, Ryan, just over the course of your career, again, I went back on the accolades: 06, 07, second team All SEC, and obviously it culminated with you you know, getting drafted and having a very long, uh, successful NFL career. You know, where do you feel from the start of your career to your time getting drafted? Like, what do you feel you you most improved on, I guess, when you're working on your game, your craft? But you've always had a big leg. Was there anything specifically at South Carolina? Because I'm sure, I'm sure the NFL was always something on your mind, correct? Like you had that dream of playing professional football. But where do you feel your game evolved most from when you first got on campus to eventually when you got drafted and started to pursue your career in the NFL? Yeah, I think, um, you know, probably one of the biggest things that, that South Carolina was able to help prepare me for the league was um, it's one thing to to go out and kick in practice and to kick well in practice. Um, and it's quite a bit different thing to go out and do that uh, in big time games that are meaningful. And, you know, when there's when it, there's 90, 85, 90,000 people screaming at you um, and being able to do that under pressure. And I, I felt like getting to play in the SEC really prepared me for that pressure. Um, now, it's probably not quite the pressure of the NFL because your livelihood is on the line and people's jobs are on the line when you're doing it in the NFL. But I think it's about as close as you can get. And so um, I'm really grateful to be able to have done that and uh, to kind of be put in some of those, those pressure situations and where it was really meaningful. It meant a lot to the state. It meant a lot to the university. And um, you know, when you're kicking, you feel that. And so uh, I thought that was something that made my transition to the NFL a little bit easier. Yeah, Ryan, again, you've had a very successful career, like I mentioned, the NFL. And I was just reading up here, you know, you had a record string of field goals from inside 50 that went 56 straight weeks. Um, You set a record for, I believe, the rookie make percentage. It was like 86% of your kicks you made as a rookie. But I was going to ask you, you know, being a kicker in the NFL is cutthroat. I I mean, it is hard to keep a job. Um, You know, and you mentioned that pressure week after week. Because like I said, we we still keep up very closely with – you know, yourself, guys like Elliot Fry, Joseph Charlton. And, I mean, it's just one of those things, man. We've all seen it happen that you go a couple weeks and miss a couple kicks, and there's just another guy waiting in the wings. And, you know, I feel like once you find a situation that really works, you know, you're able to flourish. But just you mentioned sort of you touched on it, just the pressures of being an NFL kicker. What do you think has attributed to you being so consistent? Because I feel like that's really what what has stood out with you in, in your career 
um, with the Chiefs, Titans, and Bucks is just the overall consistency. Is there one thing you point to that you've been able to sort of master the mental side and just be consistent week after week after week? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that, you know, we, we work at our craft and we, when we try to perfect and try to do things that um, will allow us to be more consistent, whether it's technique-wise or that, this, that, or the other. But I think probably for me, I think one of the things that has really helped me uh, has been my faith. And it's really easy to get consumed when you're playing football or when you're in the NFL. It's really easy to get consumed with how you perform. And, and, and when that's great, you're great. And when that's not good, you're not good. Uh, and I think my faith has allowed me to kind of take a step back from that and go, wait a minute. This football thing is not the most important thing in my life. Uh, my faith is my family. And then on down the road is, is football. Um, and not to say that I don't love the game. I do love the game. But there are other things in my life that are more important to me. And that actually takes the pressure off of being able to perform and do things, um, you know, that, that society or that our, our world screams, man, we have to be all we have to be so focused on this. And, and this has to be our life. And for me, you know, my faith has sort of allowed me to take a step back and to just go out and approach games and go, you know what? The Lord's in control. I'm going to leave this up to him and um, I'm going to go out and give my best shot. And that's something that I think has really allowed me to have a lot of success. And um, as you mentioned, to be able to do it for, for such a long time. So I feel, feel very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. It's incredible perspective, Ryan, truly, when you put it that way, uh, again, back to your career, chiefs, Titans and bucks, if you just want a high level overview, you know, your experience with each again, I, it's, it's, you know, while we have, we've definitely kept an eye on your career, and I feel like it's just every other week you're making some big kick. Or I know you've had a bunch of, of game winners, if you will. But when, when you look back on your experience in each city with each franchise, and obviously, again, you're with Tampa Bay right now, biggest takeaways from Kansas City, Nashville, obviously being in Tampa, I know the Super Bowl is going to be very, very high up there, if not at the top. Um, you know, biggest takeaways from the stops you've had along the way during your career? You know, uh, I would say, you know, there's, there's certainly been a lot of great moments. Um, I've been, I have been very, very blessed to, to have a lot of game winning kicks and to, mm. to do a lot of things that I never would have imagined would have happened, you know, coming into the league. But I think probably at, at all those places that I've been, I've had great teammates and I've had great coaches and I just think I value those relationships and, and I'm still, some of my closest friends are friends from Kansas city guys I played with. So my, we live in Nashville now. A lot of the guys that are still playing for the Titans are the guys that my wife and we kind of do life with. Well, our kids mm -hmm. are playing together and, you know, they're some of our closest friends. Um, and then down in Tampa, it's been the exact same thing. You know, just some great teammates, some great guys that, um, you know, we have a lot of fellowship. We have a lot of fun together. We push each other to try to be better on and off the field. Um, and I've, I, I'm, I feel like I've been really able to grow as a person and um, as a player. And uh, I, I'm really grateful for that. It's, I think, a lot of the experiences that I've had in the NFL have, have helped shape me and mold me. And that's something that, that I'm really grateful for. For sure. I know you've gotten this question a lot, Ryan, but I'm just going to ask it. What's it feel like to win a Super Bowl? I mean, every player dreams of it, obviously, but to get to that point and reach the pinnacle, can you even describe the emotions that you felt when that went down? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is hard to describe. I think when you, when we won the NFC championship, we went up and beat green Bay and, uh, Everyone is so excited. You're getting so many texts and calls and everyone's congratulating you. And it, you really can't enjoy it uh, after, before, after the NFC Championship because my mind immediately went to, okay, hey, every single one of these three playoff games that we've had, we've had to hit a pretty big kick late in the game to either put us up on top by two scores or to give us the lead or whatever. And so my mind is like directly to like, I mean, this is right after the NFC Championship. I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what do I need to do to prepare? Because most likely the Super Bowl is going to come down to a kick at some point in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's a, when you're the place kicker, that is uh, it's exciting, but it's also, you just, you're, you're dialed in on that and really nothing else. And so when the Super Bowl got here, it was really a blessing because we got, we were winning by so much and I was actually able to in the fourth quarter, I think we were, we had hit a, we hit a field goal at the end of the third quarter. We were up like thirty-one to nine. Yeah. <laughs> about halfway through, the, about halfway through the fourth quarter, with seven or eight minutes left, we just knew. Right. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to be, hey, the last seven, eight, ten minutes of the game, we're going to have. There's going to be a big one. We're going to have to make it. And it was really nice to be able to sit back and actually enjoy the last five minutes of the game and go, man, we're about to be Super Bowl champs. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really special. And, then on top of that, you know, my wife and kids were down there and, you know, get to celebrate with my kids. I've got some amazing pictures and videos of 
you know, my boy, he was, gosh, what was he? I guess he was about four years old at the time and, you know, maybe five. Anyway, he's running out on the field and we're doing confetti, you know, angel confetti stuff in the on the field. And my daughter's out there running around. My wife's pregnant with our third. And, you know, we just have so many great memories from that. And it's something that I'll forever be grateful for to, that we got to experience that. Now, Ryan, another question I'm sure you get all the time, man. I got to ask, what's it like being teammates with Tom Brady? I mean, that, hey, that was a huge part of that Super Bowl, obviously. He, and, then, and then the whole – this whole offseason, right, with the – he's retiring. He's not retiring. The Bucs are about to make another run with, 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 with QB1, with number 12 under center. I mean, how cool has that been, though, to share a locker room and, and get to know, I, I would probably say, the greatest quarterback that ever lived? Yeah, no question. Uh, it's been incredible. And I, I remember my first when I first got down there a couple of years ago, um, you're almost a little bit starstruck because mm -hmm. of, of, of who he is and what he's been able to accomplish. And I will say this, as amazing of a player as he is, and obviously I don't think there's any question. I mean, he is the greatest of all time. And we're never even going to see anybody get close to that. I mean, seven Super Bowls, hopefully Crazy. eight after this year. <laughs> that, that's never going to happen again. Um, he's the greatest to ever do it. And as amazing as he is on the field, it is so cool to see the way that he works, the way that he treats people. Uh, I mean, he makes everyone feel so valuable, makes everyone feel so good. And uh, he's just a great person. And so I am really thankful that I've gotten to play with him for, you know, going on three years now. Uh, you know, it's kind of neat if, if my kids won't, you know, especially my oldest boy, he is just like so into football now. He's six years old, absolutely loves it. And I mean, I if he's not, you know, eating his dinner or something, it's really easy for me to go, hey, Tom, Tom eats his avocado. You need to eat your avocado, man. And sure enough, I mean, my kids will eat healthy now. I just, I've always got that kind of built-in reference. So, a lot of perks to uh, to playing with the goat. Just don't give him strawberries. I, I, from what I hear, I don't think that's in the TB12 diet. But you know, whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look into that. Whatever. Look whatever. Into that. Is what it is. Um, Ryan, I want to go back to your college career. Obviously, before I get you out of here, man, because when you were at South Carolina, of course, Shane Beamer was there at the same time as you got there in 2007. So you spent a year or two with him, and obviously, we all know Beamer Ball, his track record with special teams. And I believe when you were there. I believe he was working with special teams. Either way, though, you, you were there when he was there. Uh, mm -hmm. Any memories of Coach Beamer that you remember specifically as a player? And when you heard he got the job and you saw what he did last year in year one, your overall thoughts and feelings on, you know, him being the head football coach at the University of South Carolina and, and, and the state of the program moving forward, if you will. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get a play for Coach during my time at South Carolina. So we were together for about a year. Um, you know, I loved him as a player as most players do. And, uh, you know, I love getting to play for him and, and looking, looking at him now, I mean, the, the success that he's been able to have, I mean, he deserves all of it. I'm so glad that, that we hired him to be our coach. Uh, I think he's, there's no doubt about it. He's the right person to be the head coach of South Carolina. I mean, the energy he brings, the passion he brings, he wants to be there. Um, and he's just a great, great person and a great football coach. And so uh, I think we're really fortunate to have him as Gamecock fans. And um, I think he's going to do a great job for a long time. So, you know, Coach Beamer, actually, you know, even the little stuff like, you know, I guess it was this past season we were in the playoffs and, he, you know, just little stuff. Hey, text me, hey, we're coming down to see you guys play. You know, we got to get up and, you know, be with his wife and, fan, you know, his wife and his kids after the game for a little bit. I think we were playing the Eagles and, uh, you know, just, He's got a great family, great kids, and um, man, I just I can't say enough good things about him. So, really excited about him as our coach, and I'm excited about you know the trajectory of our program. I think we have a lot of things to be really excited about um, as Gamecock fans with with Coach Beamer at the helm. Yeah, I would agree, Ryan. We're all excited for the season, counting down the days till kickoff. Ryan, suck up. Last thing before I let you go, man. Looking back, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Any specific Steve Spurrier story that stands out to you during your time as a player? Any, anything <laughs> memorable? Did he ever? I mean, I'm sure he tried to make it hell on you in practice, right? Because, like you mentioned, I mean, got to prepare you for the game somehow. But any any sort of any sort of specific Spurrier thing you can tell on air, I'll throw that in there that uh, that stands <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um, I would say, you know, you're talking about trying to make make my life tough at practice. I think the first one I think of is. You know, in the springtime, he would always be working on his suntan. And so, you know, he's a big component of <laughs> vitamin D. And, uh, you know, he would like – we would always kick at the beginning of practice. And so, Coach Burr, he would come out on the practice field and, you know, there'd be media. He wouldn't care. He'd have his shirt off. And, uh, you know, he's getting he's getting his vitamin D and he'd stand behind us as we're kicking. And, you know, he'd be trying to distract you, trying to talk with you. And if, if he ever got you to miss one, he'd just kind of laugh, say, ah, I got you. And, uh, you know, he he was great. Uh, but that's, that's one of the uh, – versions I can probably share on on here but he was he was great to play with so uh you know a lot of good memories from coach 
Yeah, that, that sounds about on par for Coach Spurrier. And it, it just makes me think, man, what a shame we didn't have Twitter and social media sooner because I feel like it was sort of towards the end of his tenure we started to see the the shirtless and and shoeless, by the way, the shirtless and the shoeless Spurrier pictures and all that. But uh, now Coach is a legend. Ryan Suckup, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. I do want to say I speak for all Gamecocks. I know when I say that, man, it was a pleasure to watch you do what you did in Garnet Black, the way you represent the University of South Carolina. And it's just been awesome to watch you have – the levels of success you've had in the NFL and certainly looking forward to it. And hopefully, hey, hopefully, um, I'll say this, and some people may get mad. Hey, I'd, I'd love to see the Bucs win another Super Bowl. Why not? So wishing you nothing but success, my man. And, again, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. Go Cox. Absolutely. He's Ryan Suckham. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. Yeah.